You've arrived at episode 102. Today's episode has come at a good time because we're talking with a body movement expert and given the fact we've all been shriveled up on the couch for half a damn year, our bodies need some, well, movement. So if you're starting to feel some new ills and ails, maybe you've gained yourself some injuries from sitting at your desk chair for 12 hours a day or sitting on the couch for all your Zoom meetings, or even if you're starting to get back into normal life and you're finding the body isn't quite as mobile or flexible as it used to be, then this episode might explain why and how to get your body back to a place of overall balance. So let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? I hope you've had a cracking day. It is my mission to crack on with coaching 150 individuals to create the healthy, sustainable life that they truly want before December 2020. Also, if you're loving these episodes and you're really digging what we're putting out and feeling like you want to give back in some way, then whilst you're listening to today's show, it would be awesome if you could head over and rate the episode five stars. Five stars is perfect. And if you want to give any less than that, look, Thank you. I'm grateful, but you can give that to somebody else. (laughs) And once you've punched in the five stars, write a review if you can too. I love reading about uh, people's biggest takeaways from the show and how this really, and this sort of process really helps grow the work that I do and allows me to reach more people that really do need to access and hear this information. So I appreciate your help with that. All right, to today's guest, we've got Doug Bertram. Doug is the CEO of Structural Elements, where they've been treating orthopedic conditions for over 20 years with three locations in the USA. It was founded on the idea that better orthopedic care exists, and instead of treating symptoms alone, they look at the body from the ground up and how it moves, and then determine a treatment strategy. Doug is a massage therapist and then went on to complete a master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine, and today he is here to share with us some really cool stuff. So welcome to the show, Doug. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. You are more than welcome. You were just uh, telling me a bit about the way that you do practice and about how you, and showing me a little bit as much as I can see from here around your office. So maybe for the listeners, give us an overview of what you do in the orthopedic space. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, one of the things that I oftentimes started off with when differentiating what we do is we are a cash-based practice. And the reason that I lead off with that is because it's my opinion that, especially in the U.S., when you are bound by insurance uh, you know, uh, regulations and, and basically having to stick within uh, reimbursable uh, modalities to the diagnostic code, it really limits your viewpoint of the body. And, and, and many therapists, even though they start off with really good intentions of ultimately wanting to put their patients first, uh, they end up playing the insurance reimbursement game. So first and foremost, uh, we have foregone the relationship with the insurance company and enter into a direct contract with our patients, uh, basically, that we owe them uh, the best care for their dollar. And we are going to look at them as a person, as an individual, not a list of complaints. And so <clears throat> specifically, we look at uh, the structural integrity of the body, where it's positioned in space. And then we are of both the pelvis school of thought, saying that it doesn't all start in the pelvis, but once it's in the pelvis, it's everywhere. And we are of the connective tissue school of thought, 
saying that if the connective tissue has been subjected to abnormal forces, there will be compensatory changes that have to be addressed before you can resolve their issues long term. So, you know, uh, we could we're not identified by the license of our professionals that work in our clinics. We all practice structural elements. Some of us are acupuncturists, some of us are chiropractors, some of us are physical therapists, of course, all working within our scope, but we all offer what we call the structural elements experience. Okay. And, and that is looking at the body holistically, uh, identifying where the body is out of alignment, uh, identifying the compensations that have occurred in the connective tissue uh, we call those focal adhesions. We correct them. We realign them. We strengthen and lengthen them to hold that 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 adjustment. And uh, and once somebody is you know lined up and balanced, um, we then uh, consider them to be a lifelong relationship of somebody that we help through education and continued maintenance to maintain that balance so that they can enjoy a long you know healthy active lifestyle. Right. I mean that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And. I'm really curious. It's interesting talking to people in the US about this because it's a different structure here in Australia. But do you find with clients working on that cash-based model that they have a greater sense of self-responsibility to play in the healing and recovery journey rather than uh, you know, because they've got to part ways with their own cash, you know, and they want to get something for that. Because I find, um, you know, there's lo- lots of things for free or heavily subsidized here in Australia and, and find that that model in many ways creates a degree of complacency and that the people feel that they deserve to be given things when actually they need to be quite an active part of the process. Yeah, 100%. I've both worked in insurance-based models in the past as well as um, in, the, in the States. Workman's compensation uh, is, is a, you know, a whole field of that a lot of therapists work almost exclusively within work comp. Uh, and, and I did that for many, many years as well. And, and either from paying you know, ridiculous premiums for your health insurance and then paying large co-pays on top of it, there's there's certainly an entitlement. It's not it's not that people are egotistical or devalue your education or your work or your contribution, but they, there is certainly a, a, a sense of entitlement that this is something that they've already invested in and therefore, you know, it, it better work and you should provide the solution for them versus them being an active participant in the solution. And I would say that, you know, with, with, with the work comp population that, that may be even amplified, you know, more so than the, the private, uh, you know, insurance, uh, payers. Um, but when, when somebody chooses, you know, it's a value proposition. When somebody chooses to displace another way to spend, you know, a couple hundred bucks and they invested in their health and wellness, whether they follow through or not, Right. There's an accountability to that, you know, and certainly we, we always say, you know, I, I laugh a little bit because I say we're not a we're not a, a you know, a practice that's based on, on judgment. Right. There's no guilt uh, associated with with any of our interactions. It's simply gathering information. So when I ask people, did you do your exercises? And I say, you know, if you did or you didn't, I'm not trying to judge you for it. Right. I'm not giving you the flossing lecture, you know, that your dentist gives you. I'm just simply trying to assess, am I seeing tissue that has been, you know, foam rolled daily for two weeks or am I seeing tissue that's been neglected for two weeks? And, And ultimately taking that approach, people go, yeah, you're right. I'm not getting better because I'm not doing everything. 
everything you told me to do. I should probably start there. You know, like what else could I be doing? Well, why don't you <laughs> yeah. start with doing the things that we already talked about and then we'll add to it. Right. And, and so they do. I mean, yeah, patients, patients become, you know, very, very active in, in achieving their goals. I think one of the other things that is unique about certainly the way that we practice here is that we also establish an active goal for every patient. The way I normally phrase it is if it weren't for this pain, what would you be doing with an able body? Right. And so instead of the goal being, you know, mitigating the, the, the pain or the dysfunction, the goal becomes restoring the, the activity level that they're missing. Right. So oftentimes we get them back to the activity. The pain went away somewhere in the middle of the process, but but that became just an afterthought to getting them to their goal. So if their goal is I want to be able to, you know, get back to running a half marathon. Great. Let's focus on that, and we'll manage that journey versus just the goal being, you know, my my my, my shin hurts, right? Um, so so that that's also a big part of it. And when people are paying out of pocket, they tend to really connect to that that goal that we establish. Yeah, I find exactly the same thing with the clients that I deal with as well. Now, you mentioned a couple of things before, which I'm really curious to learn about: um, your pelvis theory and connective tissue theory. Can you dive into those? I'd love to know what that's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So by saying we're of the pelvis school of thought, I mean, that, that inherently creeps some people out when they hear it at face value, right? But but ultimately, uh, you know, rotations of the pelvis uh, are going to animate the spine. And it doesn't matter who you are and what you do. You want your eyes and ears to be level. We consider that to be a neutral horizon. If you have an imbalance of the pelvis, whether that's a, you know, right iliac rotation, it's a left, you know, iliac crest that's hiked up, whether it's some sort of, uh, you know, dysfunction in the SI joint or malalignment of the pubic symphysis, it is going to start uh, a motion in the spine all the way up to your eyes and ears to rebalance. So there's going to be compensatory change up the chain. Now, it may very well have started with, you know, a hind foot pronation, a, a sprained ankle, uh, an antalgic gait from a painful, you know, osteoarthritis in the knee. But once it has entered the pelvis, there is change everywhere above and below. And I say below as well because as you have changed your upper body to compensate, you are also going to change your gait pattern to uh, catch and, and, and rebalance your upper body. Your, 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 your center of gravity, if pitched forward, um, you're going to fall flat in your face unless you widen your stance, externally rotate your feet and pull the pelvis back underneath you. But that all comes at an expense to our efficiency. Um, the big movers in the body are considered prime movers. The large muscles are designed to move the body. And when we ask one of these big muscles, the prime movers, to take on a postural role, there's gross metabolic inefficiency. You, you have to feed that muscle. It's like driving a school bus to the grocery store. It just is too much power for the job. So as a result, the body doesn't want to keep feeding this muscle all the time. So we tend to form what we call focal adhesions, which are changes in the connective tissue by reaching across the intramuscular septa, reaching across the aisle to a fresh muscle that's more efficient and stabilizing against that muscle, basically choking up on the bat to make the force less uh, on the body. But if we do this in, in multiple areas, and this happens systemically, we end up changing the mechanical stress on the joints. And you start changing joint angles, you start changing joint function, uh, you start developing syndromes like fibromyalgia, or you start developing increased neural tone, you start developing poor balance and regulation of the autonomic nervous system. Right? It, it's this whole cascade that happens because the, the pelvis is out of whack. 
the the spine starts to change in order to get the eyes and ears back to level and the big muscles start working too hard and and that's where the source of multiple dysfunctions come from and so it doesn't matter what the chief complaint is when somebody walks in the door whether it's headaches or plantar fasciitis we're going to look at the pelvis as 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 where does the pelvis sit and how is it contributing to the symptoms that they're experiencing yeah, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess, yeah, the pelvis kind of being that central element of the body, yeah, makes sense that compensation's happening either side of that. And I guess a good question to ask right now with so many people having sat on their couch unexpectedly working from home for the last six months, like what are people likely <laughs> yeah. to be experiencing or should prepare themselves for upon the return to normal life? Because, you know, those bodies have been sitting in very unergonomic situations and not getting outside, not putting their feet on the earth, not getting fresh air, you know, all those things. Um, what should people be looking for when, when we begin to get back to normal or even now? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I think normal is a relative term. So let's start with saying that, you know, we, we have no idea what that looks like. But but in general, you know, I mean, you know, people should always be looking at, at you know, big picture posture. OK. And, and and big picture posture, you know, it doesn't matter if you're doing a 100 burpee a day challenge or if you're doing the challenge of, you know, trying to, you know, do eight hours of Zoom meetings, you know, sitting on your couch. You know, both have the mechanical stress that play that taxes the body and, and, and plays a role in what we have to manage and, and counterbalance. But big picture posture and, and sometimes it's easier to identify uh, something by what goes wrong versus what goes right. Um, like when I'm teaching biomechanics, I often Sometimes uh, teach people how you would knock somebody down how you, versus how you get them to be nice and strong, strong and upright. Um, you look for the weaknesses, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's easier to see that than, than to learn how to correct it. But but ultimately, you know, we want a, a, a long, neutral spine. When you start adding curvature to the spine, again, you're going to set off a cascade of compensations. You're going to internally rotate the shoulders. You're going to externally rotate the hips and you're going to develop compensatory spirals on the extremities. You know, as you deviate from anatomical position with internal shoulder rotation, you also have to deviate at the elbow and at the wrist to get back to a functional position. So people, if they've been sitting around and, and not in their normal, you know, you know situations, and, and there's remind me to come back to the ergonomic question versus the adaptation conversation at the tail end of my, my response here, but, um, but, but making a note. Yeah. But, but some of it, you know, it's any change that you do abruptly and, and, you know, do enough of is going to cause problems. Right. So, you know, the, the body has to, you know, get used to a new environment. So certainly if, if, assuming that they've been at home, they've been out of their routine and their habits are worse than they were previously, they are going to have compensations that have started to occur. They're going to have shortened hip flexors. They're going to have weakened glutes from sitting too much. They're going to have tight internal rotators of the shoulder. They're going to have sore, you know, upper trapezius and levator scapulae muscles from the head being forward as they're staring at screens. Um, and, and, and oftentimes what we don't realize is it increased stress response as a result. 
Okay. So the autonomic nervous system is regulated through the sympathetic nervous system, which is our, which is our stress response, our fight or flight, you know, our, our, our get ready to, to go into battle is all located. They're called the dorsal root ganglia. They're located in the thoracic spine. And when we have a rounded back and we have tension along the erectors and in that, that portion of the spine, we're going to have an increased, uh, you know, sympathetic response. And when we're sitting and we have uh, compression of the sacrum and when our head is forward and we release the occiput to see what we're looking at, we're going to have compression and tension in the suboccipitals. The sacrum and the suboccipitals is where the parasympathetic nervous system is located, which helps rest and digest function. So right away, as we get out of big picture posture and we've started to compromise, we are going to have a, a, a reduced capability of managing our stress response. And, and, and so, you know, people may feel more anxiety. They, they might not be sleeping as well. They might have, you know, some digestive issues, you know, they may have put on, you know, the COVID-19, right. And, and, you know, and, and so maybe some of the pressure on their low back has changed from a little bit more anterior loading from putting on a, a beer and nacho gut, you know, I mean, all, all that stuff, you know, changes a little bit when our, when our, when our behaviors change. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but again, you know, on the, on the flip side, other people that we're seeing as we're getting back to work is that people started exercising more than they had been. Right. That a lot of people are, you know, they got into doing online challenges where they're trying to, you know, do 100 pushups in 100 days. They started running where they hadn't been running before. You know, like the bike shops here can't you can't get a bike. You know, I mean, just they're sold out. Everybody, you know, started wanting to be outside because it was the one place that you could could really be. So we're also seeing a lot of overuse injuries from people jumping into activity levels that they're not accustomed to. You know, so, again, that, that gets into, you know, kind of the adaptation. And it doesn't matter what you do, any rapid change is going to require an adaptation period because connective tissue doesn't just get on board, right? I mean, connective tissue has to tear and remodel and tear and remodel and tear and remodel. (laughs) And so whether you're sitting more than you're used to or whether you're exercising more than you're used to, uh, you're still going to be going through an adjustment period. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I, I thought that when, because we had a break in our lockdown where things kind of went back to normal for two weeks and um, we went back to the boxing gym and we, yeah, the 
instructor there was like, we're not doing any of our normal stuff because people are going to do injuries really quick and, really and the physios quick. and the acupuncturists will be booked out. So, um, yeah, they were, they were getting prepared for that exact issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we, we've seen a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you were saying before the ergonomic versus adaptation um, thing that you wanted to talk about. So are you, is that the conversation around the idea that, you know, your body will just adapt to whatever you put it through type thing versus what's actually fundamentally healthy? Yeah. Well, so, so there's a term that I like to rely on for this conversation. And, and uh, I can usually get away with it because nobody's a big enough geek to really understand what I'm talking about. So I can, <laughs> I can kind of, you know, throw these terms around without being called out on their accuracy. But, um, but in, in music, there's a term called mean tone, which is perfect mathematical harmonics. And, and most piano tuners or people that understand a thing or two about music will tell you that mean tone sounds terrible 100% of the time, right? Meaning that perfect mathematical harmonics don't work in the real world, okay? Yeah. That piano tuners have to tune to what they call temperament. And temperament takes into account all of the nuances, you know, the distortion in the room, the hydration of the wood of the instrument, you know, any sort of interference, you know, with, with other background noise. And so they have to tune to temperament. And so within that, you know, people can't expect if you subject somebody to what is considered perfect ergonomics, you're going to cause problems 100 percent of the time. Right? So there, there is no there is no perfect people ask me all the time. So how should I be sitting? How should I be sleeping? How should I, you know, stand while I'm, you know, uh, waiting in line? Or how should I walk? And I say, it depends. It depends on, you know, who you are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what you did, you know, from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., you know, uh, you know, who you're sleeping with, you know, I mean, all the things matter, right? How soft is your mattress? How big is your pillow? You know, you know, do you have a, you know, do you have large, you know, pedicles or do you have short pedicles in your lumbar spine? I mean, all of those things change, you know, the dynamics. And so it depends. So part of responsible practice is bioindividuality. You're not subjecting the same treat, you know, the same, all patients to the same treatments. You're not giving uniform, you know, advice to everybody that has the same diagnosis uh, who's walking in the door. You're, you're learning about the patient and you are fine tuning what that person needs, how they're going to respond best to their environment and what is possible in terms of achieving better alignment. You know, some people are, are anatomically not capable of, of perfect alignment and you're going to hurt them by subjecting them to ideal ergonomics. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big loaded question, but the, the ideal is that we change our environment often, right, that we're not in one position. So if you're stuck at home, don't sit on the couch for eight hours. Right. Go stand at the kitchen counter, you know, take your laptop in, you know, when you're using the loo, you know, I mean, make sure that, you, you know, you're moving around, go outside, go for a walk for a little bit, switch to this device, to that device, put your earbuds in. I mean, it's really about, you know, making sure that, you know, we're movers, we're designed to move. And, and I don't care if you're in a stand-up desk or a sit-down desk or sitting on a yoga ball, it's all going to cause problems if you do it too much, right? So it's about, you know, making sure that we don't uh, subject ourselves to prolonged periods of stasis and that we make sure that we're moving and actively, you know, engaging regions of our body uh, on, on a frequent basis, you know, so, um, so that's something that we, we, we talk a lot about in our practice. 
Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's the same with sort of, you know, I deal a lot with nutrition and, and fat loss and, and stuff like that. And, it, you know, there can be a hundred different reasons why people have accumulated body fat. And so the, the dietary mechanisms or protocols that we use to approach resolving those challenges, uh, yeah, are going to be different, even though, you know, visibly or, or, you know, metrically on the scale, it might look like the same problem. The, mm. the treatment option has to be different because the causation was different. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why, I mean, you know, as you mentioned in the beginning of the show, I started off as a manual therapist and, and, and just using my hands to do soft tissue mobilization. And when it came time to choose whether I went to, you know, chiropractic school or went to become an osteopath, I knew it was going to be physical medicine, but, um, but what made me choose Chinese medicine is that it's really a systems theory. You know, and and the the diagnostic tools and, and and looking at people in terms of their constitutional factors, and coming up with treatment plans and solutions that are based on what their body condition is. You know, it's like you don't you don't call knee pain knee pain or osteoarthritis osteoarthritis. There's like six different categories for what's causing it, right? Yeah. And so those differentiating factors really help with some of the supplementary modalities that you introduce in your treatments that will make the difference an outcome. And, uh, and then most people, you know, this is, this is something I like to get to in every show that, uh, that I'm a part of, uh, because it's kind of one of my soapboxes. Most people think of Chinese medicine as a synonym with acupuncture. And in the United States in particular, we're, we're licensed as acupuncturists, but I mean, that's like, you know, calling, you know, Thomas Keller of the, the French Laundry, uh, you know, one of the best restaurants in, in Napa Valley. It's like calling him, you know, a spatula uh, chef, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's, that's just a tool in his kitchen, right? It's yeah. not what he does. He, he's a master of cuisine, okay? And cuisine is dynamic. You don't just take one tool that you use to get a result and, and label people by their tool, right? I mean, car- yeah. carpenters aren't hammerists. Right. They're carpenters. <laughs> right. They have a whole totally. box of tools. And and, you know, so we study dietetics, we study exercise science, we study, you know, manipulations and, and, and soft tissue work. And, and we study, um, you know, herbology and, and, you know, the whole the whole deal. It's, it's a complex system of medicine. And in the States, I'm not sure how it is in Australia, but, but we get a lot of, uh, you know, territory wars between the professions, especially with like acupuncture and dry needling. And, and you know, the, the, the acupuncturists don't want chiropractors and physical therapists to dry needle because they say that they're practicing acupuncture without a license. And a lot of the practice acts say, you know, that, that you know, uh, acupuncture is a system of, of energetics and balancing, you know, the energetics and the, and the you know, uh, organ systems in the body. And, and I, you know, I say that that's ridiculous. Acupuncture is the placement of a thin, you know, filiform needle into a specific point in the body. Why you're doing it can range anywhere from a tight muscle belly, a connective tissue adhesion to, you know, uh, another ideal as to how the internal organ systems are going to benefit from a fascial release at a, at a distal point. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm all for people that are trained not to puncture along and, you know, not to, <laughs> you know, not to, you know, Me too. Stick, stick a needle in the eye, you know, to, to use the tool. Right. Um, so I'm a little bit of an outlier there, but, but that's one of the soapboxes I stand on because, you know, really it's about making patients better and, uh, you know, and that's, that's, that's a, a useful tool in the process. So. 
Yeah, we've, I had a good uh, good friend of mine on the show actually, who is here in Australia, and Dr. Peter Mahir on episode eighty five. He's a TCM doctor um, and acupuncturist. And fortunately, here in Australia, they are very separate fields. Um, and I think this audience on this podcast are very familiar with TCM as a yeah. as a complete medical modality. Very, very um, good, I'm yeah. oft, often banging on about how well, sort of how holistic TCM is, and I really think it's that along with Ayurveda. In India, those two together are such complete systems in yeah. comparison to the, the Western model that we're exposed to. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and of course, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. But even still, I mean, we call ourselves an orthopedic wellness clinic. I mean, we really focus on the balance of the joints. We focus on the balance of the nervous system. We focus on balance as a skill to, you know, for fall prevention and for development of our young athletes. It's amazing, by the way, how many high school athletes who are playing varsity can't keep their heels on the ground while doing a double leg squat, you know, with their arms out in front of them. How many athletes don't have the basic the basics of, of movement and they're just coached as, as, you know, performing sports specific skills without development of the athlete, without development of, 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 of the healthy functioning body, you know? So we really take, you know, we work with a lot of ballet dancers. We work with a lot of high school and college athletes with, with, with several, you know, NBA and, and NFL players, uh, Olympians. And we bring them back to like, are you balanced as an individual, Let's not just chase the fact that you have habitual hamstring strains and let's just, you know, throw all the modalities at loosening up your hamstring. You know, I can put an elbow in the back of anybody's hamstring and it's going to feel better for a little while. But what's yeah. the source of the dysfunction? Why does this keep happening to you? Why is this the weak link in the chain? And that gets back to, you know, proper assessment and really looking at the body as a system that requires balance. You know, even even our logo, it's, it's a tensegrity model. And the term tensegrity is, is based basically used in architecture as a balance of compression and tension elements. It's basically, if you think of a suspension bridge, right, it's you have to balance the rigid elements to the tensioning elements. And in the body, that's, you know, the bones and the connective tissue. And so, you know, we, we, we take kind of an engineer approach to looking at balance within the body. You know, and it's important not only for for joint preservation and making sure that there's not increased mechanical load on a joint, which is going to result in early wear and tear, you know, and, and breakdown of the joint. But it's also, I mean, you know, our pH has to be balanced. You know, we have to be balanced in terms of our, as I mentioned earlier, our autonomic nervous system and our stress response. You know, our hormones have to be balanced. Our diet, you know, if we're going to go and, you know, eat a plate of ribs one day, we probably should eat some greens the next. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it doesn't all have to be perfect, but it has to be balanced. Otherwise, problems are going to occur. What do you, what do you say uh, to the idea that the like terms balance and moderation are used in a way by, I guess, all sorts of people, but they're so vague and subje- subjective, so, sort of and, subjective that it's like, so how, how do you apply that? <laughs> so, so the way that I apply that is is everything in moderation, including moderation. <laughs> right. So, so ultimately, you know, you want to, yes, 80% of the time, moderate yourself so that you're not in a constant state of trying to overcome an extreme state. But the other 20% of the time, you have to live your life. Right. Totally. And, you know, I, I've been an endurance athlete for the last, you know, probably 15 years and I've done some really stupid things. Right. I mean, like, I've, you know, <laughs> like 
my, my buddy, uh, Harvey Lewis, um, uh, he just uh, set the fastest known uh, record for going from the lowest point in the continental U.S. to the highest point in the continental U.S., um, which is uh, from Badwater to the, the peak of Mount Whitney. It's a you know 150-mile journey that he did in, in 37 hours. And, and nobody would say that that's moderate. You know, that's not, that's <laughs> not, not at good. all. That's not good for you. Right. But at the same time, you know, he is a stickler for nutrition. He's a vegan. He he lives in, in a state of of not only physical wellness, but he's extremely at peace on an emotional and, and spiritual level of where he draws energy in from, you know, from his surroundings. And in that way, you know, I look at balance when you come back to the you know moderation versus balance. Balance is where you stand in relation to your environment. Right. And balance is really about whether you are at peace internally with your external environment and surroundings. So that could show up in, as an imbalance in terms of a histamine response as far as allergies. It could show up in terms of not being in the right career and you constantly feel like you're sacrificing yourself. It can be that you don't live in the community that fulfills you. I mean, there, there are numerous different ways of looking at that. But ultimately, my, my ultimate definition of balance is, is, is harmony between, you know, is above, so below. Harmony between what's inside of you and what's outside of you and are you living in in you know continuity with with those variables you know and, and if you are you know your immune system is going to be strong right you can take every vitamin that you can afford and you're still going to get sick if you're constantly pissed off because you're sitting in traffic and you hate your job and you don't like the person you wake up next to i mean it's 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 you know it's a dynamic of variables that you have to be in harmony with your surroundings and and you know kind of you know authentic you know to to all of those variables you know and if if you just work out constantly because you want to wear skinny jeans and look good on the beach but you're but that you're not happy and you're not fulfilled and you're not going out with friends and experiencing laughter and cutting loose every once in a while guess what that's not balanced and you're going to get sick right so it's it's a whole dynamic you know health health is not just the way you look i mean health is not you know the ability to perform you know, health and balance and wellness are, are, are a set of, you know, dynamic uh, events that all have to occur at the same time. I think you summarized that brilliantly. So just for everybody listening, because you've got so many awesome things to say, where can everybody uh, find you online? Yeah, so we're just uh, structuralelements.com is, is our URL. And, uh, and that's, that's both, you know, our, our consumer site as far as how patients uh, find us. Again, you know, we are three locations. Um, so at this point, you know, we are also a franchise. Um, so, you know, there are opportunities for people to, to open uh, clinics of their own. Uh, we all we are also a continuing education company, um, allowing for people just to study with us and not only learn the modalities that we do in the treatment room, but also have an opportunity to learn from our business practices of managing a cash based practice, benefit from all of the research that we've done on patient acquisition and social media strategy. And, and, and all of the above. Um, but our, our goal, our mission is as simple as this. We know that we help people on a day-to-day basis and we want to make available to as many people as possible to be more clinically effective so that people can enjoy being active and moving their body. I mean, the number one reason why people perish 
right? The number one reason why people perish is because their body starts to fail them and they fall and they hurt themselves. And that's the downward spiral, right? And then they start losing the ability to stay active and systems start to fail. So we want to keep people, you know, balanced and strong and, and able to do the things that they love, whether that's play with your grandkids or, you know, go to the Olympics, you know, it doesn't matter, but that's ultimately our mission. And, and, you know, we believe that, uh, that we can help facilitate that by giving, you know, practitioners more autonomy, you know, having them be uh, impacted less by the limitations of the insurance model and develop lifelong, meaningful relationships with their patients. And that's what we're all about. Awesome. Thank you. And for anybody listening that's loved this episode or enjoyed it or want to share it with a friend, take a screenshot, share it on social media, give us a tag and we'll give you a shout out. And to wrap up, Doug, uh, what is one piece of health information you wish more people knew about? Yeah, uh, the, the power of the breath. Um, so the, the, the deep diaphragmatic breath is about as important as breathing itself. And the, the, the diaphragm is connected to a whole column of tissue called the mediastinum. It's directly related to our hip flexor tension. It is absolutely central to our ability to achieve neutral alignment, to stabilize our core, to have healthy, you know, uh, you know, mind function, all of it. So if there's one thing you can do, it's stop numerous times a day and take a good diaphragmatic breath. It costs nothing. It requires no special equipment and it'll make a bigger difference in your health than just about any gym membership or anything else you can ingest. So, you know, that's the one takeaway I have is, is pay attention to your breath. I love that you said that because I just wrapped up doing a breathwork challenge with my online community. So that's perfect. Very good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's where it's at, man. If, if you're not breathing right, you're not doing much else right. So Awesome. Thanks, Doug. I appreciate your time. It's been good hanging out. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. We'll catch you soon. Yeah, look, look forward to it. See you, mate. All right. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.